and welcome to episode number 88 of Investing from the Beach. My name is Chris Hansen. I'm the co-host. I'm the host. I've got my hope. I've got my co-host <laughs> with me tonight, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey, it's Chris Lamb here. And we're we're working on my English language skills. Um, if it's your first time listening to the show, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Quick background on the two of us, or the purpose of the show. The idea behind the show is to talk about the how-tos of investing. Uh, Chris and I both hit time freedom, which is different than financial freedom, but we hit time freedom as a result of our activity in the stock market. Um, I've got about 18 years longer walking on earth than Chris does. We met when we were both working at IBM. He was uh, coming in the door as an intern. I was looking for the door to leave as approaching 40 years old, thinking that it was about time to go. <clears throat> we overlapped by probably a couple years. Um, we discovered through some, we, uh, we worked for the same, I mean, my second line manager, it doesn't matter, but he was working for her as an intern, uh, was asking somebody around the office about the stock market. And I think it was the secretary in the group and she pointed him towards me and we started talking and the friendship grew very quickly. And it's just been blossoming ever since. So I love him like a, like a, uh, like a brother. I'm probably old enough to be his father, which is kind of embarrassing because he's a hell of a lot smarter than I am but we've just kind of bonded from that. Um, I stuck around work for maybe another couple years, then I left when I was about 40. Chris stuck around for another seven, eight years ago, something like that, and he walked away from the job when he was 30. So one of us was able to leave at 40, one of us left at 30, and um, full disclosure, I do teach a, stock, a class on how to trade in the stock market, and this is a, as much of a commercial as you'll ever hear about it. If you're interested, go click around on the website for the podcast. You can find out details. Um, in doing that, one of the people that came into class one time is very well known in the podcast world, not so much from this side of the mic, but from the, the other side of the mic where they do the production and the introducing people to advertisers and that type of stuff. And he grabbed me one afternoon and said that uh, Lamb and I have got a great message and we really should figure out a way to get it out to the world because nobody talks about the how to think on investing. It's all about the how to do. You can go onto YouTube or Instagram or whatever else and there's a bazillion people trying to outshout each other on here's what you do to make a buck in the market. And the reality is, and it doesn't matter if you're in the stock market, the real estate market or any kind of small business, uh, maybe 5% is how to do, and the other 95% plus is how to think. And this podcast guy was telling us, people need to hear that. Your message is very strong, and it's crucially important. Figure out how to get out there. So he told me to do a podcast, and now we're on episode number 88, and we're slowly kind of figuring that out. If you saw the rigmarole where we went to get this one squared away, you'd say, you guys have not figured it out yet. <laughs> But nonetheless, we're, uh, we're getting this one done just a little bit different format and uh, production quality or, or capability of what we might normally do. So hopefully it turns out fine. Um, what else? I don't think we'll get into anything today where we have to put a disclaimer out there. But so let me say it quickly, just in case we go down that slippery slope. Neither Chris nor I have any kind of a license. We've been unemployed. I'm coming up on coming up 18, 19, 20 years, something like that. Chris is unemployed for, what, about 10, 11 years, Chris, something like that? Yep. We'll and, lose count one day anyways. Yeah, exactly. You get to the point at Freedom where you forget what day of the week it is. And it's a very cool spot to be. 
but the point behind that is in order for us to give any type of financial advice, we are, requ we are required to carry a license. Neither one of us does. We're both unemployed in order to carry a license. Uh, in the financial services industry, you've got to be employed by a financial services firm. Neither one of us is, so apparently we are not qualified to dispense financial advice. And it makes sense because we don't know your situation, what your goals are, what your objectives are, what your risk tolerance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for that, you should be talking to somebody that is employed, has a job, knows what they're doing, because he and I have been unemployed for a very long time, so clearly we don't have a clue what we're doing. Um, let me think, what else? Chris, what else do I normally say on these? It's been a while since we've recorded one. Um, no, I think you covered everything. We got that. Bottom line, if something we say in uh, financially seems like we're giving advice, we are not and strongly encourage you to go speak to a licensed professional and get their insight on what you should or should not be doing. Also, if you uh, wanna learn a little bit more about the show or about us, we've got a website for it. It's called investingfromthebeach.com. There's contact information there where you can find our phone number. You can find out how to email us, investingfromthebeach at Gmail, phone number, yeah, people get tired of me hearing them once you've listened to a few episodes, listen to prior episodes, you can get the phone number there. Love getting the input. I respond to all the uh, all the messages. Um, in fact, I was just on the phone last night with a guy from Australia who's reached out a number of times. He's actually doing the class. And so I, I, do, res I do answer the phone when it rings. I do respond to the emails when they come in. Um, along those lines, speaking of Australia, we've got a, a very fun guest joining us tonight or today. Um, we, a lot of us, I don't know if he knows this, we refer to him as Australian Alex. Um, Alex, you're coming to us from what, Melbourne? Yeah, hi guys, from Melbourne, Australia. And Alex, you can put on really thick Australian accents, so, because people might think, they really don't have an Australian on, they've just got some guy that pretends he just says good day and mate. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought about doing that, actually. G'day, guys. We're uh, so just to give you a time perspective. So we are recording this in Los Angeles midweek. Uh, it's 10 p.m. when we flip the record button. Alex, what time is it where you are? Uh, it is 5 p.m. 5 p.m. So you're five hours behind us, but a day ahead. Now, what's very what makes this one very special? Um, a number of months ago, Chris and I did a recording. I think it was back in February, so about 11, 10, 11 months ago. And the very next day, Chris was going into the hospital with his wife because his son was going to be born. And so continuing that tradition, Alex, where are you going to be in a, about 14 hours? I will be in the hospital. In a hospital because you have a son being born. Yeah, first, first, first born. That's cool. Way. That's very, very, very cool. And so we were, we're joking before we realized this number 88. So... If we're Chinese, we've got some uh, some good luck with the number eight, so we doubled it. So, Alex, we're putting all the good luck towards you and towards awesome. mom. Thanks, guys. No problem. Alex, a couple things for you. First thing, what we thought we would talk about today <clears throat> was to ask you a number of questions. We met in Los Angeles. You were out in Los Angeles some time back and then moved back to Australia a couple years ago. And when you and I first met, you had... I guess I could use the word zero experience in the stock market. That would be kind. <laughs> <laughs> so 
But before I go there, I do have one question that's been bugging me. And I'd love to get your insight. We take a couple minutes on it. Um, we got all this political censorship, whatever other stuff is going on. I don't know if it's around the world. It definitely is in the U.S. Alex, we can find some stuff on YouTube and wherever else that talks about, and I think, Chris, you've seen it more than I have, some, uh, I guess they call it violent altercations. It's a polite way to say it, between officials and the residents of certain areas of Australia with regard to COVID and keeping people locked in or locked down. Yeah, I've seen videos of, uh, I think, uh, you know, just police or uh, officials beating up like an elderly, you know, lady, uh, things like that. But yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely a, a lot of um, uh, kind of violence and, and uh, restrictions of freedom surfacing right uh, in the media uh, about, you know, what's going on in Australia and, uh, you know, uh, I've kept in touch with Alex, you know, uh, through uh, just instant messaging um, every now and then. But it's just kind of been uh, kind of in the back of my head to want to ask him, hey, from his, you know, uh, ground level, you know, experience over there. What's what 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 is he seeing? So uh, we thought it would be a good opportunity to have Alex on and uh, have him kind of, you know, take us through uh, from his first experience. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess what what you're seeing is accurate. Um, it's not it's not comprehensively terrible over here, but the, the, what what you, the kind of things you know I think you're referring to that lady in Queensland who was uh, arrested for not wearing a mask and you know middle aged lady um, looked like a mother uh, you know just hadn't been out of the house for a couple of weeks decided to go get a, get herself a coffee reward herself for being a good, uh, you know, obedient uh, citizen, uh, went, tried to grab a coffee and then was, um, we would say, dobbed on, uh, you know, like uh, reported to the police and, yeah, was was loaded into a divisional van. You know, I think it was like, it looked like maybe like there were eight cops or something. Uh, and it, it was, yeah, it was pretty heavy handed and, uh, and that, that stuff does, does go on and there there have been freedom riots and the, the longer that the lockdowns have gone on the the more the frustration and the anger has has bubbled to the surface and I, I, I can't recall ever really hearing I mean maybe it's happened but uh, of a really you know violent protest in Australia it doesn't doesn't really happen that often pretty people have pretty well behaved at least in public <laughs> um, and, uh, and but yeah no it, it definitely did boil over um, I think we were, Melbourne was the most locked down city in the world for a length of time I think we had uh, close to 270 days of lockdown um, wow. and it was you know quite intense you know like we there were just you know five thousand dollar fines you know if if my girlfriend and I wanted to go to the supermarket together, you know, and, and the police stopped us. Uh, we, yeah, we would have both been, you know, accumulated $10,000 fine. And so, you know, I, I actually like a couple of times I just, I had so much cabin fever. It was just so intense. And I didn't, to be honest, I didn't agree with the approach, but as I was saying to Chris earlier, like I, I'm obviously not being consulted on matters of 
public health and public health policy and and but I, you know so i i did as time went on i i became more rebellious and but my rebellion was still pretty weak i you know a couple of times i jumped in the trunk of the car and went to the supermarket <laughs> in the back of the car with um uh my partner and uh and it was just it was yeah it was quite absurd and just like so extreme i just you know i just thought when i was in there at one stage i was just like this is like something out of like schindler's list or this is like i lived in mexico for a while and that was at the height of when all the cocaine gang wars were happening and my one of my friend's dads would have to go to work in the trunk of his car because he'd been kidnapped by the setas and and um and he to in order to not be kidnapped again because he was constantly being threatened he would have to you know go in his the trunk of his car and someone else would drive him and it, and it was that heightened same kind of heightened police state uh vibe um because it it was just it, it, i just i never experienced anything like it, it just it there was a real lack of freedom and and having lived in the united states i think uh, and and having just gone for my citizenship and gone through all the uh, civic education and understanding the the importance of you know freedom and liberty and all that kind of stuff, I I came back with that freshly loaded in my mind and and in group chats you know family group chats group chats with friends I would always kind of just talk about how the government is trampling on our freedom and I you know I think my friends were. Um, kind of like way to go captain america and um and they kind of looked at me like i was being you know uh over the top but then as as things progressed there was just more and more frustration and rebellion and and i think when i don't know if you guys saw video footage of there was a big confrontation between especially between builders there was you know forced vaccination i, I think well that, that was definitely on the cards and i think that what that was what the protest was about and people were just up in arms because you know it's just it's pretty I, I i definitely don't agree with forcing people to be vaccinated and i think that's what was happening but there was just so much uh you know like uh disgust at that idea and there, there was some really savage beatings of the police and there was um the community uh you know were for and against it and everyone was so polarized based on the you know the media that they were consuming primarily that you know it, there were the protest for lockdown and protest for um you know more the freedom side of it and if you know these were happening on the same days luckily they didn't meet up but you know once you know the, the at one stage the police cordoned off an area and residents you know stepped in and uh, you know, the, the police were trying to encircle the protesters and the, and the protesters um, ended up escaping through a um, sympathetic uh, resident's house and then then all hell broke loose. And it was just it, it was um, it was quite violent. Like, I, you know, you know, I can't say I support ever hurting anyone, you know, like especially like police or whatever. But it was. Yeah, you just I, I think that that really had an effect on the government because the government also when i came back like our premier who's kind of like our governor i'm just finding out oh wow he's like signed the state up to china's belt and road initiative which is kind of like the ccp um you know uh, their 
big infrastructure push around the world to kind of get soft influence and sometimes capture ports and do all this kind of stuff. But he was signing us up for that and he was locking us down. And now we have these, you know, like apps on our phone that if you want to go to a restaurant, you have to show that you've been vaccinated. And so a lot of that kind of stuff was happening. And I was just shocked that, you know, like Australia had, um, had gone down this route and, uh, yeah, just I mean, I you know, it comes, you know, for me personally, my my view was that I understand like it's important to flatten the curve and protect vulnerable people, but um, once you take it that far, and now that we've all got this little app on our phone, you know, who's to say that that's not going to be, you know, your little the precursor for a little digital wallet, so that you get like a, you know, some kind of credit for being a good citizen, and then they, you know, maybe if you're a bad citizen, they turn you off, but. That, you know, uh, that, that thing is in China doing that uh, social credit system or something like that. Like where... Yeah, exactly. That's where my mind went. And that, and that is very extreme. And that, but it is something, I think, to to be aware of that, you know, once once the government has this power, it's, it's just like us. We don't like to relinquish things that we that we have. But I, I'm not and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theory guy, but it, all these things kind of just cross my mind. And it, and it is. It is worrying, you know. I think we're all a little bit concerned because you want to tread that fine line of, you know, being responsible and and protecting people's lives, and you don't want to be cavalier, but at the same time, you don't want to give away things that are going to be hard to um, can get back. back. Yeah, exactly. Take get back your uh, agency as a citizen. So, yeah. So I mean, it's it's all very interesting and there's been a lot of um friction you know even in in my family you know with people with differing views it's kind of you know i would hear all the time you know from jewish friends you know within their family they would just have these massively heated debates about you know jewish policy with regards to palestine and you know just people would get get so heated and it is that that kind of level of like you know people people that are advocating for you know we need to we need to watch for our civil liberties you know on the other side of the spectrum people are just so angry at those people for endangering lives and it's um i don't have the answers to any of it and i don't you know i, I have i have opinions and um i just oh my only take out of it was i just thought like you just it, it's just so important to be respectful with the way you interact with each other because you know, uh, if you say that you care about your opinion and you want to be persuasive, if you cancel someone or you attack them, then all of a sudden you've lost your ability to persuade them. And so do you really care about your opinion? And do you really, do you really care about the issue that you say that you do? Or do you, or, or, or do you just really care about winning a fight? You know, and I think it's, everyone has to be mindful of the of the power of um just being respectful and 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 entertaining other points of view and 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 not coming to every interaction with the idea that you have all the answers and other people need to get with the program and stop being so stupid are you seeing a uh, kind of a growing attack on free speech over there there is there's i feel like there's almost it's worrying that this it, just the narrative is so homogenous and so pervasive about what is acceptable. Like when you see, unless you're watching, you know, like a, 
a truly independent um, a news outlet or you know someone that's putting on their own podcast or what have you the 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 Overton window of what's acceptable to discuss is is so narrow that it, it definitely is it is worrying that um, anything that's outside of that official officially sanctioned you know scope of what is right is um, it's yeah and it wasn't like that historically was it no it wasn't particularly not with like public health mm -hmm. policy and the rollout of, of that. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely am noticing that. And people are very, you know, uh, hot headed about whichever side of the, um, issue that they, they find themselves on. So. Hey, yeah, when did you move back to uh, Australia? Uh, I think I've been here for, I want to say was it about before uh, COVID or after. No, I, I was in, I was in LA. I, I, I just started a business and I lost that business with COVID and then um, yeah then I, then I actually had to get a job in just a Latin supermarket before I um, before I came out because it just everything kind of collapsed so I, I was lucky to get out I think I I got I bought my ticket with like six hours to spare before I would have had to pay for my own quarantine cost and then the the cost of my flight was $800 and then the next day's flight was $16,000 I think so I was kind of like you so were this was really kind of, under the wire. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I lost you. I say you literally got out right under the wire. Oh, 100. percent Yeah, it was it was weird. I had some kind of spidey sense, like you you got to go now, and so I just booked the ticket, and um, yeah, that was that was it, and and um, yeah, just just in time, and then I and then I drove down from Sydney and drove into the lockdown. It was the longest lockdown in history, and I remember driving down. Friends were telling me like, "What are you gonna do?" And I was like, "Oh, I've got to go back to Melbourne." I had sick parents and you know a few other things, and um, and they're just like, "You're crazy!" Like you realize you're driving into like pretty much just like self isolation jail. And I was like, yeah, exactly. You're driving yourself to jail. And I'm like, what are you doing? And my friend's like, I'm going to Byron Bay. I'm going to sit at my friend's villa and overlook the ocean and just let it blow out. You know, like, and I was like, <laughs> just like the whole trip down, I was just like, what am I doing? This is crazy. And, but so for yeah. the listener, if you're wondering, okay, guys, are you going political? The answer is no. Remember, the idea on the show is how to think. But what we want, and, Chris may have had more of a discussion with Alex than I've had. I've done a, a number of emails back and forth, but I never went into the what actually is going on in Australia. But I thought, to me, it's important. And you see little, you were talking before about the little snippets that you can find on YouTube or whatever else. But you think, is that is that the one exclusion or is that the norm or where is that? And the reason I wanted to have that discussion, I think it's important for people to understand from how to think, is to say, here's examples, what, examples of what is going on elsewhere. In what has been a, and I, I put finger quotes on it, a free society. And some of you around the U.S., we, we all have, you know, we're very, we're polarized, unfortunately. We're still all Americans. And even Alex talking in there, he's an American citizen. Um, Alex, do you hold dual citizenship? I do, yeah. So a dual citizen, but he's an American citizen. And I think it's important to understand where things potentially could lead one way or the other. And then you can, when you get into the investing side, now that you're aware of that, it gives you better ammunition for how to think. 
and that was the intent of doing that. Alex, any other? Uh, Alex, you know what's really cool? I was thinking about it um, before before we connected earlier. Is what's going to be really fun is your son will be able to go back and listen to this and go, hey, that was my dad talking the day before I was born or the day I was born. Yeah, no, it's here's uh, what was going on in the world when I came into the world, and my dad's telling the story. It is. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing these days. The the amount of media that you will get to look back on is just so voluminous compared to what you know we had. We had had you know like a a dozen snaps of us you know in a year or something like that. But now it's just like everything is recorded. And it's just yep. like the kid's gonna. It's gonna be arduous for the kid to, <laughs> to go through. <laughs> he's uh, he's gonna pull up some. Where Alex has been. <laughs> oh, sorry, Chris. I was going to say, Chris, any other uh, comments, questions for Alex on that before we go on to the other side? The other side? Oh, no, no. I was, he was just saying uh, what, you know, uh, kind of what media is available. And I was saying that later on, his uh, his son, as he gets older, he'll he'll be able to access, you know, maybe uh, all the locations his dad has been, maybe through some government, you know, records or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, he'll be able to, able to buy my uh, buy my data from Facebook from Meta. Yeah, yeah, from Meta. Interesting. So Alex, is, uh, oh sorry, you go. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it is it is scary. Like when you, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who she ran a big business in Los Angeles, and she was telling me if I want to get the data of anyone who you know owns a Chihuahua has like a you know, like a, a, pro, a drinking problem, you know, smoke cigarettes, you know, I, I just like, I can, I can get that from my guy. I'll just, I'll get all this triangulation of data and, and there's, you know, and she was just saying, it's like people want to think that they're anonymous, but it's just, you're not really at all. Like I can just like, I can pinpoint like, you know, 20 idiosyncratic, you know, places that you frequent, your passions, your blah, blah, blah. And I'm pretty sure I can get you. And I was like, wow. And she's not even a, um, you know, a specialist, you know, it's, yep. it's, yeah, it's crazy. So Alex, when we met, go back in time, met what, about five, five-ish years ago? Yeah, about, uh, yeah, about pretty close to five years. Yeah. And you stumbled on, I can't remember how we went. Did you come into a cash flow meeting? I think. Yeah, I was in, uh, I was in, I remember I was in Louisiana. I was at a wedding and I, I, I was speaking to someone who was a real estate guy and he was showing me all these uh, photos of this, um, you know, these properties that he was building. And I thought, oh, that's like, that's some nice stuff. Like, and, and I just, I was curious. I was like, well, what, what was the first step in getting to be where you got? You are you are now, and then he said, "Oh, I just read a book." Like, and I said, "What was the book?" And he, he said, "Rich Dad Poor Dad." And so I ended up reading that book, and then at the end of it, it says, "You know, go and join a cash flow, uh, you know, board meetup. game meetup." And then I looked it up, and then uh, luckily you were doing one in my area, and I turned up and met you, and you told me you did a stock class, and it kind of hit me between the eyes. And next Saturday I was in it, and yeah, haven't looked back. And so when you walked in, so you walked in thinking you're going to learn something about real estate. Um, you heard me do about an eight second, hey, I teach a stock class when we went in and taught you how to play the game and how to think. 
um, and you you walked in with like you said you know, we're being we're being gracious when you said you have zero knowledge but you had you're, you're more of a creative type right I mean, you're, you're back you've got a very creative mind you do a lot of creative type work yeah I, I uh, my whole life I've been friends with exclusively musicians actors and artists and I yeah I guess I was kind of 36 years old and I, I realized that I just never thought about money and I just thought to myself at, it's maybe it's fine to be young and be broke but like you don't want to be old and broke so I just kind of thought I needed um, I need to s seek someone out that can help me with that and it's funny like when I when I was younger I, I actually thought oh, imagine if you could just meet someone who was you know uh, accomplished in what you wanted and 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 they just wanted to show you everything and they took you under their wing and um, and it, it's kind of like that's exactly who you uh, turned out to be. So it was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So, yeah. But you get you give me a lot more credit than I deserve. Plus, you're a hell of you're a little taller than I am. So you, for you to fit under my wing, you've really got to hunch down low. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought you I thought you were gonna go. Uh, you, you were gonna say uh, um, maybe a sugar mama or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but so Alex when you started off you knew knew little to nothing um first learned about it it's overwhelming yeah I, I remember the first class that I took I I had to um I was going out for dinner with a friend and her mom and I uh I couldn't even speak afterward I felt like my brain was you know during the class, I felt like my maybe my brain was moving at 20 RPM, and your brain, your your content was you know maybe 200, and it just looked like the gears kind of clash. And I was trying to keep up, but looking back on it, it's incredibly simple now. You know, like in regards to like you know what you were trying to impart, but to me at the time, it just I couldn't I couldn't process it, and then and it really. Yeah, it even affected my ability to hold a conversation afterward because I was so worn out mentally from from what I'd experienced during the class. And it but again, and again, this is not meant to be for someone listening. It's like, is this a commercial for the class? Like, no, it doesn't matter what class you take, right? It was more about, and some of it might be the class materials. You know, it's it's a new language, it's a vocabulary uh, vocabulary gap, I guess. Uh, some of that, but I think more of it, I would suspect, when you look back on it, is really the how to think. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. a mindset. Um, you know, when when I first met Alex, uh, I think you guys call you say you you guys know him as uh, Australian Alex. I I know him as Tree Hugger Alex. <laughs> 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 so you know, going from Tree Hugger to uh, stock market investor Alex now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty <clears throat> radical. Yeah, but um, I think Alex was extremely uh, coachable and uh, he, he was just very open minded. Uh, he knew uh, kind of the area of finance and the stock market was something completely new to him. But like he mentioned, he knew that uh, he didn't want to be old and poor or old and broke. And he did something about it. Right. It wasn't uh, it didn't take you, you know, years and years to noodle on it and, and go, oh, maybe I'll do something. He, he, I think he came in with a purpose and. Uh, you know, he just he just uh, took on it and, and and went with it. 
And so that's yeah. definitely, uh, you don't see that many uh, you know, people that you come across that have that type of mentality that, you know, to go after it that way. Uh, to give you an example is uh, I have a family member who uh, has reached out to me kind of a number of years. And, uh, you know, every time it's like, yeah, I want to do something. I want to learn, you know, and then I go, okay, you know, can you let me know when you're ready. And then, uh, you know, over a course of several years, nothing happens. And then uh, about maybe six months ago, uh, she contacted me and, you know, say, hey, I want to learn the stock market and I uh, want to learn how to invest. I got to get more you know, my money working for me. I go, all right. So I point her to, uh, you know, the, your class, Chris, and I, I gave all these specific instructions, you know, go do them. And and then later, uh, you know, I don't hear anything. And about a week ago, I receive a text, uh, uh, you know, saying, hey, uh, do you know, uh, do you have a book you recommend that I can read about investing? <laughs> and so, I said, well, I mean, I, I go, I don't, you know, if, if there was a book, I can, I'll point it out to you. But like I, I explained, I said, there isn't a book out there, right, that, that teaches this stuff. And there's a lot of things that you have to you know, but I gave you specific instructions on what to do. There's no way around it. And then, uh, I, and then I said, like, you see how I, I shared with her. I said, it's, it's, that's why I explained that it's so much of a mental uh, uh, shift that you have to have uh, before you can succeed at doing something. Um, because I've given specific instructions and she won't do it. And then she texts back looking for a book. Like, huh? It's like, don't you remember I gave you every little step to do? You just need to start. And you don't start, but you keep you, you keep asking me what what else or what's next? What's next? It's like I've given it to you, but you won't do it. I can't help you. Alex, and do you so, know what the what the definite sorry, Chris, I'm gonna cut you off. Alex, I don't mean to cut you off. Alex, do you know what the definite what the word is for that person? Uh, an ask hole. Yeah, an ask hole with a K. So an ask hole. There you go. If you don't know what that is, that's somebody who will ask you a question and you give them the answer and they hear it. And then a short time later, they will ask you the same exact question. And so your answers go into this black hole. And that type of person is referred to as an ask hole. And if ever you are known as the ask hole in by people near you, that is not a good label to wear. So just be cognizant of that. It's very easy once you once you know what to what you're looking for on that. They are so easy to spot. And I would urge you when you have an ask hole in your life, do what you need to do to get them off that topic. You don't necessarily need to cut them out of your life. But don't waste your time answering questions on that particular topic. It is an absolute waste of time. It's incredibly frustrating. Yeah, so for our, uh, for our listeners out there, um, you know, I'm sure you guys come across people like that, or if that's what you have been, you have to change that mentality. Uh, otherwise, you'll be stuck in the same position that you're in. And so when we talk about investing or trading the stock market, um, getting to time freedom, it's so crucial to have that mindset of you, you, you have to start and you, you got to be able to follow instructions. And if you continue to keep asking questions and do nothing, um, that's just going to drive the people you ask questions or are asking. Uh, you're going to drive them nuts and uh, you, you're not going to get anywhere. 
<clears throat> and so, you know, give I wanted to share that example uh, to kind of show, you know, how Alex was not that type of a person. And uh, he just kind of took the oars and rowed, like you said. So when you when you go to <clears throat> you walk in the class, you walk out, your brain has exploded. You get bits of brain all over the place. You can't speak. <laughs> You've lost the ability to communicate because you're overwhelmed. How do you yes. get back to I'm now coherent and I now can speak? Uh, Gatorade. Um, time. Yeah, just uh, it just it takes just I, I guess a lot of work in the interim as well to just you know you just slowly get up to speed and it's just it it's it becomes less and less intense I think as you get your head around everything and it just all makes sense. I'm just I'm constantly marveling at what I'm looking at because you know on on I on on the screens that I trade on I. You know, I just have a bunch of spaghetti on there and my mum will come in sometimes and I can just see her face. She's just like, this is some alien, futuristic, hieroglyphic kind of stuff here. And um, but to me, I'm, I, I just marvel at the fact that it just makes more and more sense every day. And, and it really is it really is just like, you know, it's, it's good instruction, but it's also just time, time on the road. So I think that's that's kind of what it is. You just you get familiar with it and it becomes less and less alien and you and honestly like you you saying that I knew uh or me saying that I know knew zero is is really true I, I didn't even know what a stock truly was you know I didn't I didn't really understand that it was just shared ownership of a company that's how that's how uh ignorant I was of, of, of the whole the whole scenario so but you were, but when you were given an instruction, if I said, "Hey, Alex, go," you know, you, I have the fondest memories. We uh, we would do class, and then a lot of times a group of us would go out and grab dinner afterwards. And you'd come along, right? And there'd be anywhere from five to twenty-five people sitting in a restaurant, you know, late on a Sunday night. And <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? You'd come up and you'd say, "Hey, it's good to see you. Do you mind if I ask a question?" Like, no, no problem. It's like, oh, and you get the, your eyes would light up and you'd reach in your pocket and you'd pull out five or six pages of paper, pieces of paper, and it would be filled with questions. <laughs> and, you know, 47 questions later, be like, okay, you got it. And it was yeah. so cool. Um, but the thing I admire, and I'll, I'll give you credit till, till the, you know, the end of time, you were not afraid to ask. Right. And most yeah. and, you, and you're not afraid to say, hey, I don't know. And, and if I, you know, I, I don't think I ever called you a fool or dumb or anything else. But you look at me and go, I know this might be a stupid question. It's like, no, if you're willing to ask it, it means it's not clear to you. Do it. But you, you didn't ask the same question twice, which was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I guess I was, I was never afraid of looking stupid um, because I just didn't want to be stupid. I think I I. I I didn't really care as much of I just I knew you wanted to teach and I could see that you were naturally someone that was very giving of your time and I um took advantage of it. <laughs> but I I um yeah, I just I I just knew that I I knew that I didn't know anything and that I knew that the only way that I was going to get better was just I just felt like 
yeah, I, I, I just felt like you've got to be humble. And if you, if you don't know, then just, just admit it and just ask, particularly if you have someone that is making themselves available to, to teach you and, and really genuinely has a passion for teaching, then you, you're very lucky. You're in a very lucky position. So you should be respecting that and, and, and taking advantage of that. Take advantage of it. Yeah. How um, you hear you hear from others, you hear me say, you hear see, oh, Chris says it as much. Um, but Alex, and not that you can count the number of times, but how many the the times of frustration where you feel like quitting and saying to hell with this, this is this is nuts. How do you did that happen a lot, and how do you push through that? Yeah, it really it really does happen. Um, Lots of, lots of times I would, you know, I just get so frustrated because I, it's, it's kind of like I would, you know, when I was learning graphic design, you know, I'd, I'd be, I don't know if you've ever used a program like Illustrator or something like that. You just, you feel like you're doing all the right things and it's not behaving the way that you need it to behave. And it can just be so intensely frustrating. And sometimes I, you know, learning these graphic programs, I just I have to just lay on the floor and just look at the ceiling, you know, and just like calm myself because I would just be so frustrated. And then, and then the same thing happens with the stock market because you just don't know what you don't know early on. And, and you just think I'm just, I'm doing all the things and, and it, and it really does test you, but you just have to, yeah, just, I, you know, just, like you teach, you know, you just have to know your why. Like, why is this important to you? Why are you going to keep going? Just like, you know, they say that in in Bud's class, you know, like when you when you train to be a Marine, like the most important thing is just to to understand why you're there. Like, why are you why are you and and prepare for that ahead of time. Why are you going to push through when things are really really difficult and all you want to do is ring that bell? You just have to have that preloaded that you're not, you, you played it out in your mind. I know that I'm going to get beaten up and this is what I'm going to do. So you have that, you know, um, algorithmic, um, you know, fork already pre-planned about, you know, what, what you're, what you're going to do once you, you know, reach that moment of extreme, extreme frustration and, and really just, yeah, you're just getting your, your teeth kicked in by, you know, a big loss or whatever, you know, or maybe it's just like eight flat trades in a row or, you know, and, and, you know, you've been working at it so hard and you feel like you deserve this and but the market disagrees with you. And um, yeah, it's really, it's really, you know, just, just all about pre-preparing. Uh, what kind of a pushback uh, did you get from uh, say friends, circle of friends, um, you know, as you were, yeah, you know, going about focusing on learning the stock market. I know you had mentioned that your, you know, your your friends are more of like, hey, this, you know, you got this, uh, or they see you as uh, kind of carefree, you know, save the whales, save the elephants kind of deal. Um, you don't really care about money, right? And then, you know, then they see a complete <laughs> turnaround in you learning the stock market, right? Was there yeah. a type of pushback that you got or, you know, just uh, challenges that you saw with, uh, you know, friends, uh, different mindset? For sure. Yeah, there was, well, from my family initially, it was like, dad, 
dad I had every reaction like my my little brother is a like a more of a like extreme left guy like almost a, you know Marxist kind of he just like he he just looked at me like trying to understand what on earth I would be you know doing it he's like you're reappropriating capital right you know you're giving it you're gonna give it to you know uh, causes and everything and and that, and that is true like I don't I don't see um, uh, what I'm doing is like being mutually exclusive from being a good person. In fact, I think it's like going to amplify my ability to give to, you know, say I, I have a friend that um, he is very um, involved in, he, you know, he's, he's a founder of a company that um, protects big game in uh, Africa using technology. And I want to, you know, I just want to give him, cut him a fat check for that and you know um but there is a lot of they, people just don't really understand it because it was such a radical departure from someone that had obviously never thought about money because he was always broke um to now suddenly being someone that was you know talking about the stock market and no one no one really understood my so my my brother was you know bamboozled my dad told me alex you know no one can beat the market mum was put her hand on my shoulder and asked me whether I was getting involved in insider trading. Um, um, and was genuinely worried that I was, I had to explain what insider trading was and how that's, you know, it'd be pretty impossible for me to be an insider trader. Um, and then, yeah, like lots of friends, like I remember walking through a park with a friend once and I was, I was trying to explain, you know, he was a musician in a pretty you know successful band and, I was trying to explain to him what I was doing. He it literally just walked off on me. He didn't even he didn't even let me. It was it was kind of an amazing moment. I was like, wow, this is like like I was you know I was kind of just offended because I was quite passionate and animated about it. And um, there there was there was a lot of um, yeah a lot of pushback. Someone someone another friend of mine told me, oh maybe just don't mention that you do that. You know just like keep telling people that you're a, you know, you're an artist and uh, you can just do that secretly. And, you know, I had a, I had a, like a literally on, on my birthday once a, a friend told me that, you know, if I was just a trader, um, he doesn't think that he could be friends with me. And we, we actually had a big dust up about it in the car because I was just offended. And, you know, I really felt like it w that was, you know, what I do now is, is such a big part of my life that it's, it's my, identity it's such a big collection of my habits and and so we had it out on you know it kind of ruined my birthday you know but like you know because we were we were heading home and um there's been a lot of moments like that and it really is um people's deep-seated definitions of you know all things around finance that um you come up against uh because people, you know, all all sorts of things. Like people think that, you know, like being a good person and, you know, being wealthy is, you know, it's impossible to um, do both. You know, um, not not realizing that you can you can actually be, you know, like it's just just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean that you're the kind of person that is necessarily just going to be on a boat and buying Gucci everything. And you know, you can. You just have the ability to amplify whatever is already in your heart. That's that's the way that I feel about it, and um, I don't think that. Um, yeah, it, it was it, it, ha it has been difficult to be honest. There ha there have been lots of moments where it's, you know, I just feel 
you know, I've, I've just tried to educate a lot of people on what the reality is of the shift. And um, but it is like you say, Chris, uh, like Hanson, you you know, you you you're either gonna you're gonna change those people's minds or you might have to switch them out for you change people uh, or you change people. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's it definitely has been a lot of that. Uh, kind of thing so it's it, it, ha, it has been a challenge to be I, I, I was talking to someone I think it was just yesterday I'm, and the discussion one of the comments this person made and I thought it was fascinating <clears throat> and they were we were talking a little bit on the I don't know if you call it conservative liberal but you know left right whatever whatever description you want to put on there and he had read somewhere and he shared and I thought wow that's really interesting said the people who are considered you know right right leaning if you will and if you want to call it democrat republican it's really not that but if you want to put that label on that that's fine and the person who is on the right that would you know be labeled by the left as being more conservative that person looks at somebody on the left and believes that they are wrong and yet the person on the left Coming from that perspective, if you take your brother as an example, you know, the almost Marxist, and he looks at somebody who you would categorize as being on the right, and they view them as evil. And I was listening, and I was thinking about that, everything that you were just saying, and it's like it's spot on. And you, you, the friends you were talking about, that they said, oh, you can't, don't, don't identify yourself as someone that's going after money. And it's like they view you as evil. And it's a total misperception and it's really interesting um just when he had said that I, i've started listening just in the last 24 hours like oh my gosh and i'm even guilty of that as well right and i certainly don't think that somebody that is um on the right right i don't mean left i don't mean right is correct but i mean you know the left versus right side i don't view them as evil that doesn't mean there's not evil people there absolutely there's evil people on the left as well but it is interesting because a lot of times I would look at somebody on the left and list their stuff. I go, man, they're just wrong. They don't get it. <laughs> I realized, oh, I was falling right into the, uh, the the example that he was giving. So it was fascinating. Alex, I, I want to go back on something if I could. Um, if I, Can I ask? I'm going to pry a little bit. And if you're uncomfortable saying it, we can go back and edit this out. When you first started off at this, what would you have described? How would you have described your why? If you're willing to share that, yeah, it was it was to look after friends and family, look and look after friends that um, were doing good things that were you know like um, like your friend in Africa doing stuff with the wild animals. Exactly, yeah. I have a lot of friends involved in environmentalism and even Sea Shepherd, which is the organization I went to Antarctica with. Um, they they do an amazing jobs of, you know, protecting endangered species and what have you. And, and I always, and they, but they're always strapped for cash because they're, they're not kind of like, you know, you've got your green, green piece kind of glamour pusses that swan around in, you know, expensive yachts. And they, all these guys are very doing very important things, but they just, they never have the cash. So that was always to give them, uh, give them so some that, cash. That was your friend. why at the beginning. Now later yeah. on, did your why transform? Yeah, I think I think well that that is that still holds true. That's going to be an amazing feeling to 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 do that. And 
now it is yeah it's 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 family as well um i don't i don't know whether it has really changed that much i i feel like i i i, I was one i was someone who took lamb's um life manual ideas seriously and i i think i it mine's maybe at 90 pages or something like that, but I went deep with the whys and really getting in touch with what was in my heart and what was important to me and who I was. And, um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know whether it really has changed that much. It's, it's still, it's really, to, it's really to, to be able to have a house, you know, I don't need a fancy house, but you know, that, look after friends and family and then uh, give to causes that are close to my heart. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, some of that will change in 24 hours, right? When you pick up that little lump of love. Yeah, exactly. Weird. Stuff changes. Yeah. Stuff changes a little bit, mm. but you'll, you'll yeah. see. <laughs> I sent you that email that said, I, I can remember the day, um, you know, putting my finger in the, uh, the, what do you call it? The bassinet or whatever it's called when you're in the hospital. And your kid's in this, you know, plastic tub kind of thing. And, you know, he reaches out and he grabs you, you know, he grabs that finger. It's the, you know, the quintessential photo we've all seen where the newborn grabs the, grabs the finger of the adult. And it hit me at that point. It's like, oh my gosh, this little person, you are basically their support structure. You know, like, oh, and that just, I, you know, I'm barely able to care for myself. And you think, oh man, I've got this other little body. Now I got to worry about. And that was just a uh, one of those kind of odd feelings, very cool, but something I never forget. That and also putting him in the car the first time, driving him home from the hospital, and just absolutely pissed at the people that were driving beside me along the road that were going over the speed limit. <laughs> like, oh, you were, you were, you were talking you about me, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, had you been there, I'd have been cursing you. I'd have waved at you with less than five <laughs> fingers if it just been one. Um, yeah, just freaked out at thinking, oh my gosh, what if somebody runs the red light as I'm going through the green and I get T-boned with this little, you know, six pounder sitting in the car seat behind me. I never thought about that stuff before, but I was amazing the, the thoughts that ran through my head. It sounds kind of like, I was going to say, it sounds like kind of a bit of a relief to be unburdened with your narcissism and self-absorption a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, you're right. But it wasn't, even, it wasn't even the narcissism of self-absorption. It was like I was oblivious. I wasn't worried about it. And now you go to the point of, of like, oh, there's someone else here that I, you know, if I want to go skydiving and something happens to me, it's only me that's impacted. Right? And now, now I would think twice about going out and deciding whether I want to pull the parachute. Yeah, it's a whole new world. And then, Alex, the other thing I wanted to ask you, um, I, I love this story about you from the the work ethic side. So, you know, you, you hear us say in order to succeed at, at a lifestyle of reaching freedom, and it doesn't matter if you do it in real estate or the stock market or whatever. It's really you have to have an ability to follow rules. You have to have a long-term long perspective or, or you're not going to quit, just kind of that mindset. And you've got to have a good work ethic. And when COVID hit, you were still in L.A., uh, had just started a business and that cratered and you had to go find a job and you went to work at a, a Latin supermarket in Hollywood or Silver Lake. I can't remember where I was. Yeah, I, um, I 
I will actually, I was working out because my, my whole goal was just to get to freedom as quickly as possible. So I had taken a job at YMCA for no, no money, just working the front desk. Cause I, I could, I could study the charts and I, all I would do was just occasionally talk to someone and, you know, it was a very hands-off job. Like it just basically had to be present and other people would complain that it was very boring, but Ethan and I got it together and all we would do, we just treat it as like getting paid to study. But unfortunately we didn't get paid enough and life was quite difficult. And then I remember speaking to you and you're just like, Alex, I think you're going to have to get a job where you get paid a little bit more. And so I ended up starting a business and, um, actually was making amazing money um, just looking after plants in different restaurants and then yeah COVID came through and uh, and and wiped me out and then so then I just was I was halfway through my citizenship process and I had to uh, there was no way that I, I couldn't go on government um, you know uh, benefits or anything like that because it would endanger my citizenship um, you know, application and, and, but, but also I couldn't get a job because I don't, at the time I, I looked on CNBC and the, and the, the, just the spike in unemployment was astounding and the amount of people that were going for jobs. I think I applied for 300 different jobs in about three weeks, three or four weeks. And in the end, I ended up just like making a flyer. Can I, and it said, it was a picture of my face and it said, can I help you? And I would just walked around the streets like late into the night, just handing, putting them in letter boxes, just hoping to get an odd job, you know, just like enough to pay the rent. And then finally, I got one interview because I remember when I went to Costco at one stage and I was talking to the manager and I felt like we were kind of buddies. And he's just, and I'm like, is there any chance to get a job here? He's like, literally, like today, there've been 300 uh, and something applications. Um, it's just crazy, man. I'm, I'm sorry, you know. And, and in the end, the only, the only place that gave me an interview was uh, like a, a supermarket in Hollywood where um, I got the job because I was talking stock market with the uh, with the uh, the store manager, and she was asking me for advice by the end of it on where where I sh where sh what she should do with her 401k what was going to happen. I was talking about like QE with the Fed just pumping money out and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. She thought I was just like, you know, amazing because I knew all these things that she just thought like, you know, why on earth is this person asking for like a job sweeping the floor in the fruit and veggie section and, um, and uh, because I was just, she felt like I was helping her with her retirement. And she said, you know, you, you, of course you can have the job. And I was, I ended up like just being so amazingly grateful for, for that. Uh, it really saved my butt. And then, but then I, I was working with just a bunch of guys, amazing, beautiful guys, like, but no one spoke English. Everyone's first language was Spanish. So I, not only was I learning how, how to navigate in the supermarket sector, I was like desperately learning a foreign to language too. Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to learn Spanish as soon as possible because my the the lady who had given me the job, her you know uh, she was you know my boss's boss. So my boss in the fruit section was he was Spanish, and as soon as he saw me, I saw his face just drop, and he speaks to me in Spanish. I can't speak Spanish, and he was just immediately. I knew he wanted me gone, and um, and it really. It just took everything I had to keep the job because I 
um, I just, you know, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't lose it. You know, it would have just, I would have been just ruined. And so, yeah, just absolutely just learning Spanish like, like crazy. I was listening to like David Goggins podcast, all the mindset books that you uh, shot my way, Chris, really helped because I just like, I just treated it like boot camp and I just sweated all day. I worked really hard and he was a hard worker too. And by the end, we just developed this real rapport because he was just like, wow, this guy is like a really hard worker. Not realizing the reason I was working so hard was because I was just terrified of losing my job, you know, and I was, I was just using every trick in the book. If I went to, you know, to stay there and, you know, just be friends with everyone. And if I went and bought myself a drink on my break, I bought everyone a drink and, you know, like just all these things were just, um, you know, I was just, it really was just coming from me just being terrified of, <laughs> of you know, losing and, and being kicked out of the country. So but that's cool, but that's how to think, right? You do what yeah, you got to do to survive. I remember absolutely. you telling me the story where, you know, that guy, it was a very hard worker. That guy would lift up, you know, would move four boxes of potatoes or whatever it was. And then you would make it a point to do at least four, if not five. Oh, always. Yeah. I always just had to be, he, I, yeah, he it, well, he couldn't see my why, so he just thought, wow, this guy's like old school. He's like me, like we are like the same, you know, kind of person. We just love to work hard, and and you know, there is there is I do I do enjoy hard work, but it was really out of sheer terror <laughs> that I was doing. <laughs> yeah, but it was great. I mean, I had I had such a great experience there. I just like. Just getting to know everyone, you know, that whenever they talk to you, they, there's, you know, como te sientas, like, how do you feel? They're just so, there really was a camaraderie and, and just a really special feeling that I wouldn't have had. And it was a totally different culture. And I wouldn't have, have had that and wouldn't have been accepted if I, honestly, if I didn't have the correct mindset going into it. That's, that, that is what enabled me to you know, stay there and, 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 and get through it. So that's, that's an, that's an example of extrapolating out how to think to the rest of your life. That's, you know, that's, that's part of, you know, like learning your course and all the, you know, great mindset content that you throw our way. It's, um, it really has an amazing effect on, on so many different areas of your life that you just won't, won't, be able to understand until you've gone through it because it's it's almost I was telling someone the other day it's almost like a philosophy course because it's really like when, as you try to understand you know and 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 become confident in the stock market it's not that you tame the stock market or somehow beat the stock market you have to learn what's in you and um, it's really it's like that Aristotelian you know know thyself kind of idea you know you have to understand what's in you, why are you making the decisions that you're making, why are you acting fearful, why are you doing the things that you're doing and that self-knowledge is is really um, uh, brought to brought to the fore by these real world experiences you know and then and and what you're doing in the stock market is you know just a small part of that. Yeah, well, like starting that. tomorrow uh, that work ethic uh, meter is going to you know be cranked up a lot more. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I was saying to someone, I, I just hope that he's funny or something. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm hoping that the, the natural drugs that your brain dishes out are 
good good enough compensation for the amount of dirty nappies that I'm going to be changing. <laughs> so Alex, one thing that I learned from the um, they respond to you. So if you come in smiling and happy and all that, they will respond in kind. If you come in grumpy and yelling or whatever else, they will respond in kind. And it truly is a mirror on your behavior. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. I mean, okay, Chris, you, you've seen that in yours. And granted, you know, the, the people develop, the kids develop their own personalities, but you can see that early on. Uh, yes, definitely. And, uh, and you know, kids uh, just naturally, they're going to, uh, you know, want to explore and test limits and what they can or can't do. So, um, and you'd be amazed at how, you know, such an early age, uh, you're talking about months, you know, they're starting to pick those things up. And so, um, you know, don't be afraid or never think it's it's too early to teach them something, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I I already when I interact with kids, I always just speak to them on a you know a, a more more simplified adult level. I never talk down to them. But someone was telling me a, a mum that I know, she was like, even with babies, just talk to them. Just you don't have to be googie boo boo. <laughs> you know, they're they're a sponge and they you know you can accelerate them and you can. Um, you know, they, they, they will pick things up. They're not just blobs of, you know, like absorbing, you know, sponge. They're, they're, they're actually very curious and, and, and they're putting things together so you can help them out in that way. So I thought that was interesting. It's I never really thought about it. I just haven't, I guess I haven't really, once again, I'm in a, in a new world that I haven't really thought about at all. So it's kind well, of exciting. I think Alex, what you'll find is the um, <clears throat> you definitely don't need to do the gaga goo goo and make the kind of stuff like you said, <laughs> just have a discussion. But you'll be able to tell when your kids four, five, six years old as they're starting school, you'll be able to tell by watching the other kids which parents actually talked with their kids, not talk to them, but talk with them, and you can see the difference very quickly. Because the uh, the other your kid will be more conversant, right? They'll listen and they'll respond, and it doesn't mean they're argumentative, but you can it's 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 glaringly obvious when you see one versus the other. And Chris, you've seen that now with yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was reading a I think the autobiography of the guy who start one of the people who started Sony. I think it was a husband and a wife that started it, but. He was saying that just as as a child, his father would always at the dinner table, even when guests were over, would always ask for his opinion. And that gave him the self-esteem to feel like I have an opinion. I see things I, you know, and I thought I thought that was very interesting to like raise raise a kid up by engaging with them. And um, really, no matter their, their outlook may not be as sophisticated or something, but to to just give give them the credit that they may have something to offer is like, is it, is quite a important thing I think for their confidence and self-esteem. So I'll be looking to emulate that a little bit. I think that the other thing I think, you know, pass on the unsolicited words of advice. <clears throat> um, if you can figure out how to get your kid to be able to laugh at themselves, 
right? So they yeah. recognize, you know, we are as humans, we are truly comics in that we all, we provide great comic um, material for everybody else in the foolish and dumb and whatever, you know, nutty things that we do unintentionally, right? And that requires a, a healthy amount of self-esteem to be able to recognize your, your flaws, your faults, your mistakes, and kind of chuckle at them, <clears throat> right? And not be, not be overly sensitive to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so important to laugh at yourself, I think. Mm -hmm. It just, just to it's like, hey, we're not going to be perfect. There's no problem with it. And to, you know, realize the, our foibles and our, our mistakes and our, our errors in our way. <clears throat> Chris, what else you got? What other topics should we bring up for the uh, distinguished Mr. Alex? Uh, nothing on the top of my head. Alex, any words of wisdom, any parting words you'd want to pass along to somebody as they kind of what, you know, more along the lines, again, it's not a sales job for a class. It's more about the how to think aspect. Yeah, I just, uh, I think it's a, it's an amazing process. I think if if you're, um, yeah, I, now I'm trying not to sell it, <laughs> but I naturally, I, I, I just get enthused when I talk about it. Um, uh, I, I, I honestly, if you're curious about it, look into it uh it's it's you you if you're talking to chris you've stumbled on something really special because you've got someone that really legitimately is a true teacher and wants to help and um it is it's a really great process honestly even if you didn't do you know apply it to stocks i think that um what you get out of the how to think element what could help you in any facet of life i think you'd You'd be better off if you started a business. I think you'd be better off if you wanted help um, yourself in with your athletic prowess, or it's just because your mind is just such an amazing um, tool to to you know turn heaven into hell and or the vice versa if you you know if you so desired. But um, it and I, I really think that that is the the true gift that you give is like is is teaching the the power of the mind and 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 how to think I, I remember when I was younger I someone sent just gave me a birthday card and they they just said I just really love that you you know have this ability to to think clearly and ask the right questions and it and I didn't really think that that was necessarily true and but I just it really stuck with me and and, and it's it's funny when someone just says a little quick thing to you one time that just that can just get stuck in your head forever and and I always did think I really do want to think better I want to think more clearly I want to ask better questions because it's how you get better answers and and then I feel like I you know I'd really stumbled on something special with you and that's exactly what I feel that I've got so yeah thank you thank you both you you guys have been such a an amazing influence um on my life so it's um yeah it's kind of like a you know i don't want to be cheesy but it is it is a bit of a, a dream come true for me so thank you very much guys you're welcome appreciate it. thank thank you uh for spending the time with us and uh you know sharing with us uh kind of your uh journey um in in learning the stock market as well as you know your uh, first-hand experience in uh, australia as well and we know your um you know <laughs> 
you, you don't have a whole lot of time right after tomorrow. So I think yeah, you, you're the main reason why we actually got this podcast <laughs> going here because, uh, you know, Chris and I uh, wanted to put something out uh, earlier in the month and uh, we just, you know, haven't gotten around to it. And then, uh, you know, the idea of uh, having uh, Alex on and, and then knowing that, oh, he's, uh, he's, he's got a baby coming soon. So we were, you know, pressured on time. So uh, that, that made it happen. So thank you very much, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hey, Alex, one of the things too that you can, and I appreciate the feedback on on that, but twist it the other way. So that person, whoever it was that gave you that, that card and, and planted that reality in your brain that said you have a knack for asking, you know, well thought, well thought out, pointed questions. However, however that was phrased, but it's it's interesting. We think about that one little comment that they made, or that one little card or note that they handed you. How that was life changing for you, right? And it really maybe life changed a little bit too too strong of a word, but it really struck it really stuck with you. And now think about that going forward. <clears throat> Are there things that you can? And sometimes you're not even aware that you do it, but are the things that you can knowingly pass along to somebody else? The word of wisdom, the the cool. Alex, how old are you now? Uh, 41. So you're the same age that I was when my kid was born, right? So we're we're right in the same boat. Um, and you're going to find that you're a much calmer parent than somebody that is 25. Right. Your 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 head is in a different spot because of, of a variety or a deeper life, a more broad and deeper life experience. And so you'll find at least I found this. <clears throat> the discussions that I was having with my kid when he was young were dramatically different than somebody who had a much younger parent. Right. And Chris has seen that. And I know he's done that already with his kids, with, with the older one. And he's going to be doing that now soon with the one coming up. And so you get to pass on those words of wisdom, advice, whatever it may be, to your offspring. But you get to do it to other kids that are around you, too. And they'll be able to recognize it in you. And you're not aware of what you're doing. So when you become aware, you know, anything that you can intentionally try and plant the seed in a kid's brain, by all means, take advantage of it and do it. Brainwash, baby. <laughs> Brainwash. <laughs> Good way. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's so. it's funny when I when I found out I was going to be a dad, I just something clicked in me. I ended up getting a little giddy, and I ended up writing a household manifesto. And and it's funny, like a lot of a lot of what I wrote in that is actually like wisdom that's been passed on by you two, Chris's. So um, I think I, I wrote to you in an email and t I told you that Hanson and um, yeah, it's funny already. Like there's, there already is a flow on effect from you know, there will be a flow on effect from all the nuggets that I've um, learned from you guys. So thanks again. I sound like a broken record, but that is the truth. So thanks, I appreciate guys. it. I appreciate it. Chris, any closing, uh, closing thoughts? No, I think, uh, you know, that thank you again to Alex for uh, spending time with us. And uh, we're, I'm, I'm extremely excited for you because I know, uh, you know, when I first met you, right, I, I seen you, you're, the artistic type and uh you um i i think my daughter was two at the time when i was reading uh your book uh the mirror book or something like that right 
Yeah. So I read that to her. So it always, you know, reminds me and uh, how much you love kids. And, and, for, and it's so befitting that, uh, you know, you are a children's book author. And now, you know, you, you have a, a, a child coming your way. So I'm very excited and happy for you, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was it was funny that I wrote that, huh? Like I was like, people people that would always be the first question that people would ask me. How many kids do you have? I was like, none. It is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, reality is caught up with the um, with the writing, as it as it tends to do. Alex, think of it this way: the uh, mom is soon to have two kids. She's going to have a newborn and a 41 year old. <laughs> Yes, and have two babies. Yeah, two babies <laughs> very, very cool. As always, uh, Alex, thank you. I really do appreciate the time and congratulations in advance. 24 hours, life changes. So this will be fun for you to go back and listen to this years from now and go, oh, I remember that. That was the day before I became, before I met my son. <clears throat> Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Of course. As always, we... Uh, we know that if you'll put into practice things that we talk about on this episode, as well as prior episodes and any upcoming episodes, we know if you'll put those into practice, uh, you too can get to the point of reaching time freedom. You've heard us say many times the way that we equate time freedom is uh, not so much, it's not the dollars in the bank, it's not anything else. It's really the ability to metaphorically go down to the beach or even literally go down to the beach on a on a Tuesday and enjoy the waves that are there. They sound so much different than any wave you'll ever hear on a weekend because it's the wave sound has to be shared with, you know, half a million of your closest friends roaming the beach. And so you want to get to the point where you can roam down to the beach and do whatever it is that you want to do on a Tuesday. Tuesday waves are by far the best. If you've got thoughts or comments on this episode or any prior ones, <clears throat> by all means, either reach out via phone or email. I told you earlier how to do that. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Great night. Thanks very much.